happy weekend, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Chat Markets. Wow, what a week on so many levels for High Ground Dairy. We launched our very own Outlook conference here in Chicago this week, and it went off without a hitch, if I do say so myself. All the speakers were phenomenal, and all 100 attendees say they got so much out of it. On day one, Lucas actually kicked things off with a domestic overview and outlook of U.S. dairy markets. I made my debut on stage and announced something very exciting, and that is that we are officially launching quarterly forecasts for New Zealand and European dairy commodities, something we hope to continue to expand upon for months to come. The impressive and infamous meteorologist Drew Lerner did an amazing overview and weather outlook across key dairy regions around the world. Yucalicatalo from Yucale gave us a great overview of expectations from a policy and production perspective within the European Union. Jason Bray of Southern Pastures discussed New Zealand's current situation and growth forecasts. And Jeff Goodwin, CEO of Pivotal Ingredients, gave a very insightful look into existing Chinese demand trends. I learned so much on that day one alone. It certainly was an incredible week, Alyssa. I will echo your thoughts there. On day two on Thursday, we also had a pretty impressive agenda. I enjoyed listening to all of our speakers. We kicked off the day with a U.S. dairy policy session from Dr. Marin Bozik, founder and CEO of Bozik LLC. We had a pretty interesting U.S. dairy producer roundtable session. We had two different dairy farmers on stage, Simon Vander Woody from California and also Ryan Bentham from Michigan. It was pretty exciting to hear them discuss their uh, strategic outlook and how they manage and make decisions on their dairies, especially to members of the audience who had not yet connected with dairy farmers in the past. After lunch, we had a, a few more things in our afternoon, a end user session on commodity risk management from Charles Funnell, managing director of CF Commodities, and then a consumer trend session with uh, presentations from both Rabobank and Megan Sheets at the U.S. Dairy Export Council. It was a pretty packed two days. I will uh, echo your sentiment. It was incredible to see everyone there, and we do really thank everyone who came out to Chicago to make our in-person conference a huge success this week. You're absolutely right. It was really good to have dairy farmers be a part of this conversation because oftentimes they aren't a part of it. And I thought um, that was an incredible uh, thing to add as well. I'm certainly proud of how this all turned out and look forward to watching it grow each year. Well, Lucas, while we hosted a conference this week and spoke at it, we still had to tend to some analysis all week, didn't we? There was a pretty solid stream of data and events that occurred this week, and the office was closed on Monday in observance of the Juneteenth holiday, and we came back Tuesday to a global dairy trade event and China's May import figures. Coming into that global dairy trade event, Fonterra added butter and skim milk powder offer volumes, yet those were the only markets to settle higher, a pretty clear signal that demand is very strong for those commodities. Whole milk powder fell slightly as China doesn't typically buy a lot this time of year, not to mention the fall off in demand from the region because of those widespread zero COVID lockdowns. Yeah, Alyssa, speaking of China at the Global Dairy Trade event, looking to their import data, China's fluid milk, whole milk powder, and whey imports all fell aggressively from the impressive volumes noted one year ago. 
driven mostly, like as you mentioned, by the millions of people locked down during the month, which hampered domestic consumption. New Zealand and Germany bore the brunt of that weaker import demand, while volume from the U.S. actually uh, grew, though, as China's appetite for whey, lactose, and our competitively priced nonfat dry milk reported gains in the month. Yeah, a lot of ugly numbers there, but at least still stronger than two years ago across nearly every product. So we didn't drop off to that first COVID lockdown level of early 2020. U.S. milk production came out that same day, too, didn't it? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like all these reports while we were preparing for our conference. Uh, But it was an important one and a highly anticipated one, that's for sure. After April saw a 1% year-over-year decline, May milk production came in down, of course, as expected, down 0.7% versus prior year. Uh, Most interestingly, I think, the U.S. uh, herd size continues to show just very slight growth. I would have expected a little bit more gains in the cow numbers in April and May, but Uh, You know, it does reflect that margins are not all that great and are not really inspiring for dairy farmers to add cows. The U.S. herd size is down 102,000 head versus prior year in May. And because of the slow growth the past few months, coupled with one year ago when the herd size was growing quickly, it's actually the biggest year-over-year gap lower in cow numbers in more than a decade. We have to go back to 2010 to uh, see uh, cow numbers down that much versus one year ago. Milk per cow did grow slightly, but it wasn't enough, of course, to push production into the green. Looking ahead, I think that we do still anticipate output to climb higher versus prior year here into the summer. I initially would have said that June might be the month that we saw that uh, switch with output returning to growth mode, but it might be June or maybe even July now because of that weaker than expected herd size growth. Just uh, looking through some of these states here, California down significantly yet again into May, the biggest drop since January. We did hear some of the reasons for that from uh, the producers at our conference this week. They said that feed availability and access was a little bit challenged and some some ration changes really didn't go over well with some of the cows uh, throughout the Central Valley. Wisconsin still higher, opposite Minnesota's declines, Idaho slipping lower, uh, and then, of course, declines across a wide variety of other states that that drove that weakness into May. Uh, Certainly a heavily anticipated report and uh, just yet again extends the weakness that we've seen both in U.S. and global milk supply in the past several months. While you're at it, Lucas, why don't you go ahead and recap those cold storage numbers? Because the market definitely reacted yesterday when those cheese and butter numbers came out. Yeah, a bearish cold storage report for cheese. Uh, Cheese futures and class three futures dropping sharply on Thursday afternoon when those numbers were released. We saw total cheese and American-style cheese stocks climb sharply in May, well above the five-year average growth and well above expectations for what we would have uh, thought these numbers would look at. The 31 million pound cheese monthly build was almost eight times higher versus the five-year average growth uh, noted from April into May. Again, as I mentioned, bearish, and especially because it was driven uh, primarily by American-style cheese. My key takeaway here is that demand has started to slow, likely from food service outlets uh, as inflation negatively impacts consumer spending in the month. 
I think that um, this is kind of a red flag, uh, one that we talked about in our forecast last week and one that we discussed at our conference this week about uh, demand trends and economic headwinds that we're watching. Just briefly on butter, um, pretty neutral report, kind of as expected there. Uh, butter stocks growing into May, uh, almost exactly in line with the five-year average. It is likely uh, the butter stock's yearly peak, uh, and we are still below one and two years ago. So we'll watch that closely to see how quickly we pull butter out of storage here. Again, looking to the back half of the year with that strong demand to keep prices firmly supported opposite this um, this weak stocks growth over the past few months. I think lastly here, we can discuss New Zealand's May export volumes that also came out this week. New Zealand's exports to China nearly halved from a year ago, down 46% across key commodities from those historically strong volumes posted from China last year. Of course, whole milk powder continues to be where shipments experience those steepest losses. May skim milk powder exports to China fell 51% from last year. Fluid milk dropped 20% from prior year and butter volumes slipped 44%. China's fat demand has been insatiable in recent months with New Zealand shipping 4,543 metric ton of AMF in May, a jump of 45%. Trade with Sri Lanka also continues to suffer as the economy is foundering under the weight of heavy debts, lost tourism revenue, and other effects of the pandemic, as well as these surging costs for commodities on a global scale. Well, that does it for this week's recap. It's great to be back and hosting after a two-week break. Thank you again for everyone that came out to Chicago for our conference. We appreciate you all so much, as well as all of our customers. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Cheers. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in receiving more information as well as our analysis, please visit highgrounddairy.com to request a free 30-day trial today. Futures and options trading involves substantial risk and is not suitable for all investors.